0: This is Mike Dealt with the Relaxed Back UK show on UK Health Radio, your global real feel-good radio station. On the Relaxed Back UK show we explore all kinds of health topics, so keep listening and enjoy the ride. thank you for joining me Mike Dilk on the Relax Back UK show this week. Great guests again and we start off with Clifton Flack of SciTech and he's from the world of medical cannabis and CBD.
1: Um, and we were looking at yes can CBD help um, with asthma and, and COPD, you know, other respiratory illnesses, because again CBD being anti-inflammatory.
0: We look at some of the things that CBD products can help with, then on to something that half the population pretty much completely ignorant about. And quite a lot of the other half needs to know a bit more.
2: The the side effects of that are similar to the ones in puberty, but much more exaggerated.
0: The subject is the menopause. And my guest is Deborah Forsyth, who helps women during this time. So please stay tuned for a great show. Thank you. Flack is with the company SciTech and he's in the world of medical cannabis and CBD cannabis products. So my first question to him was really, how are you involved in this and what do you get up to?
1: Uh, interesting question. Thank you. So, um, so we are specifically in the CBD side of the medical cannabis world. I guess the key difference is um, we sell CBD or we market CBD as a food supplement which means it's very much the same way that you'd market you know, vitamin C and echinacea with no medical claims and it's a free consumer choice. Customers can choose what to buy, how often to buy it, and, and how to use it. OK, so cannabis... Can- sorry, go, go ahead. On. Go ahead. I was going to say, medical cannabis tends to be prescribed by a doctor, where there's less consumer choice and there's also the THC elements where there's that risk of psychoactive effects. So that's, that's All right, so we're we
0: we're, we're talking about different chemical substances are we in, in in like cbd and medical cannabis cannabis we're
1: talking we're talking about it they both derive from the same plant uh, one is psychoactive one is not uh, i guess is the, the the core the core difference yeah uh, okay. one, is, right. one, one might be one, one might be scarier to use for some people because of the psychoactive but cbd is non-psychoactive perfectly safe to use won't get you high um and it's a nice nice free substance all
0: right so well, we are living in troubled times and lots of people do feel sort of concerned or anxious. And um, some of your products or CBD products can help with anxiety. Is that right?
1: So there has been lots of research that's been done and still ongoing around the world uh, of CBD as a potential anti-anxiety. Uh, and I continue, over 30 percent of our customers um reports you know anxiety problems or an uh, insomnia or anxiety induced insomnia these kind of you know health concerns and, and this is what they report and they report to us that the cvd helps help support those those problems helps you know remedy those problems right so
0: does much. does anyone know kind of how it works what is actually happening um uh, people take it well, people like anxious
1: Sure. Well, there's two sides. There's the fact that CBD is an uh, an anti-inflammatory and depending on on the root cause of any kind of anxiety or or mental health issue, there can be um, inflammation issues, Uh, but also it's an anti-axiolic, which is anti-anxiety. There's still lots of research to be done. As I say, this is not uh, not marketed as a medicine. Um, So there's research to be done. Much of what we know and much of how we market it is based on the, I guess, the anecdotal evidence and, and, the, and the knowledge that's in the marketplace. Um, unfortunately, you know, CBD being being a safe product, you cannot overdose. There's no evidence of any kind of risk of overdose. There's the the, the biggest risk of CBD is is spending too much money and it not working. Uh, that's, I guess, the, the single biggest risk for consumers.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that can be quite a risk. So, I mean, I, I, I've i heard anecdotally of people using CBD um, products to reduce anxiety and them saying it, it works. So that's essentially what you're saying. Uh, the proof at the moment is somewhat anecdotal, although there's loads of research going on. You, you can't actually point... To well, appear a peer-reviewed published paper saying this helps for anxiety. Correct,
1: correct, correct. Lots of <laughs> anecdotal evidence. Lots of lots of very very clever people in in universities and hospitals that have done research or, or done the, the complementary studies and, and and they believe it. Um, and I would say um, the, the I guess the most important evidence that I can bring to the table is is customers and repeat business. Um, as I say, you know, over 30% of our customers are our customers because they have some of these these mental health or anxiety problems. Um, yeah. And they've been our customers for up to four years, some of them. And so the fact that this is not something that's prescribed, this is very much a you know, customer's choice. They can buy or not buy, they can buy a small amount or large amounts. Um, so if it didn't work, they'd stop buying. I think, it's, yeah. I think that's pretty- Spend your money expensive.
0: on something else, absolutely.
1: Okay. Well, well, exactly, exactly.
0: I, I, I do know that some sports people use it. In fact, I a little while ago, I interviewed George Cruz. Now, he's he's mm-hmm. a rugby player for England, and he's used it. And In fact, he started a company selling it. I, I think it's called 45CBD. Did I get the name of the company right? I'm not sure. That's it true. might be 34. I don't know. I can't remember.
1: <laughs> Something was, like that. Something yeah, like apologies, the, George, if I got the name
0: late. of your, your company wrong. But anyway, the fact is he... Uh, swears by it from for playing rugby uh, and I think he the reason he took it is because it sort of helped him recover because playing rugby you get kind of really mashed around especially if you're playing for mm-hmm. England at a very high level and mm-hmm. I, th- I think talking to him he found that it helped him recover such that he can get out and go through the whole process again why you would want to do that to yourself is beyond me but anyway that's
1: that's <laughs> So, I think I think you, know, you you raise an interesting point. but actually, funnily enough, um, we we work with uh, Ben Franks, who um, is an ex New Zealand uh, alpine you know, World Cup winner, um, and he came to us. Uh, he actually called me up about three years ago, um, and he had been using CBD for another a year, and was doing some research and discovered Provacan, which is our new uh, well, it was then our new brand. Um, and was amazed by the product and, and the research that we've been doing as a company behind that what blew me away the conversation with him was this you know, big rugby player was i was expecting him to tell me he's using it for for pain or for recovery or something but he's using it for sleep and subsequently he introduced me to james haskell also you know ex-england rugby rugby captain um, and then he also told me he's been using cbd for sleep which kind of was a bit weird for me but as i understood it similar to what you said you know, these guys professional rugby players they get beaten up every single day whether it be right. a, in a game on a training pitch they get beaten up every single day and when you're in pain when you're bruised it's difficult to sleep now they're not they weren't Well, they believed they were not taking cbd for that pain they were taking it for the sleep and uh, it did help it does help sleep uh, but then as i said before arguably because cbd is a known Anti-inflammatory. It could very well be that the reason it's helping their sleep is it is actually helping with the pain or the root cause of the pain, which is their bruise, Bruise Mm bruised a lot. Uh, But again, like I said before, there is a lack of clinical data on on all of these issues. Uh, We are we do rely on on anecdotal evidence, but that's again that's very similar to the whole food supplement market. Everything from the vitamin C to echinacea, ginseng, there's a severe lack of clinical data. There's lots and lots of anecdotal evidence and, and that's yeah. what the market relies upon. and That's what we rely upon. Well,
0: it, well, in in the supplement industry, there is some data that is known that actually taking too much of some particular vitamins is not a good plan, but you, you've said it's impossible to overdose on CBD oil. Is that is that, again, is that anecdotal, well, anecdotal is, or is that yes.
1: proven? There is, well, yeah, I think you or, or your listeners could do the, the fact checking. Uh, there's not been a single death reported in the world ever where the cause is cannabis or any cannabis derivative product. Um, What I will say on on the flip side, because there there are side effects, side effects with everything in the world, um, especially when you're using something new, there's a study that was done in the UK by a company called GW Pharma, a big pharmaceutical company, and they have been involved in a clinical study for the best part of 10 years to look at CBD for epilepsy in, in children actually. Um, And one of the side effects that they discovered is that in very, very high dosing, very, very high dose, CBD can suppress the appetite. Um, And that I found very interesting. Um, I'm not sure what other repercussions around that might be, but again, lots of research to be done, but we might find in the future, we might find people using CBD for weight management. I think that in itself uh, would be an amazing discovery.
0: Yeah, okay. Um, I was gonna ask you a bit more about some other uh, things that people use uh, CBD for. I looked on your website and I, there's a mention of asthma. Have, have people mm. used it to help with asthma? How, how any thoughts there?
1: Well, I'm, I'm glad you found that. So we, we actually, we funded that study um, at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem about three years ago. Um, and we, we we invested in the study with Professor Michelle, who's actually one of these world-renowned cannabis uh, scientists. And, and we were looking at, yes, can CBD help um, with asthma and, and COPD, you know, other respiratory illnesses, because, again, CBD being anti-inflammatory. Um, and we know, and I know personally, I suffer from asthma myself, and asthma is you know, it's inflammation of the airways in, in large parts. Um, so we got some amazing results with that. And simple answer is yes, it, it can do. But like many things, it comes down to, you know, what's the correct dose and what's the correct delivery mechanism? Right. Um, because in this instance, with, with asthma, The ideal would be to inhale because you need to get it into into those lungs, into those respiratory tracts. So inhaling CBD would be ideal if you're looking to try and and, and treat asthma. But obviously you've got the the flip side that the worst thing you want to do when you've got any kind of asthma is to start inhaling or smoking anything. So there's work to be done. (laughs) There's very exciting potential there.
0: Right. Something that you've mentioned a couple of times, anti-inflammatory. Now. I, I know that's really because there's lots of anti-inflammatory drugs, so they must be useful for lots of things. Um, mm-hmm. and, and in fact, I often hear it uh, in relation to arthritis. So could potentially be CBD oil uh, or CBD products be useful for arthritis? And also, when you talk about anti-inflammatory, what, what does that actually mean? And is does it mean... Because you've got to make the right thing smaller, haven't you? I would have thought so.
1: <laughs> As <Yes. it> were. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, you're, you're right. So it, it comes down to, in, in, in most cases, um, delivery mechanism. Um, and, again, I, I always use the example of the comparison, you know, right or wrong, of, of nurofen Because you know, nurofen is you know, the anti-inflammatory, it's so the ibuprofen. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you know, I, I remember when, when nurofen hit the market, I think the early 80s, and you know, Neurofen went from nothing to almost owning the pain relief market. And it was only in the last few years I've begun to understand why that is. And it's simply because we we know there's, there's loads of science out there that something like you know 95% of all human disease either begins with or presents as inflammation. You know, even, even cancer is, uh, is I believe is the inflammation of the enzymes in the cell which causes a mutation. So, yeah you know, right. our, our entire being is about inflammation or fighting inflammation so if you look at it from a, a a specific pain point excuse the code but a pain point then yes you're right you know, you need to find that right point to make smaller, uh, which is why you know you see that you know, again using the example of Nurofen, it's not just pull it's not just pills you pop but they've got topical creams and gels so if it's say a muscle inflammation then you can massage that ibuprofen direct into that body part. And it's very much the same thing with CBD. One of our biggest sellers is a CBD barn. Um, and oh, okay. lots of our professional athletes and amateur athlete customers, um, they use it for exactly that. You know, pre and post uh, exercise, they'll massage that barn into their muscles and it either protects or it helps with the uh with the recovery. Um uh, but yes anti-inflammatory this is this is something that's um that, that's really powerful whenever we speak to doctors or pharmacists who are, who are learning what this is about, as soon as we say to them, anti-inflammatory, you see the light bulb blink and, and they understand and, it. And, um, and consumers is, of it.
0: Mm-hmm. is there a way of introducing CBD products into the body that it might help with arthritis? Have you heard of that?
1: Um, I can tell you that um, amongst many, my mother, has been using CBD balm on her wrists and her arthritic wrists for four years. Okay, and um, she swears by it. No, this is this is no CBD. Is, is It's not a treatment. It's not a cure for sure. Not. And as a food supplement. Even we can't even make any claims close to any kind of medical thing. But as a as a supportive product, I guess, or as an, as an adjunct therapy, um, for sure. So yeah, applying CBD to these arthritic joints daily twice daily can certainly bring relief is it going to cure arthritis i quite clearly know or if it can there's plenty more research to be done first um, but certainly as a, as a as a daily therapy then it's very very useful very very useful and
0: like you say the worst that can happen is that it won't work and you'll have spent some money
1: the worst that can happen is that yes it won't work and, and to be honest actually from our and you know we speak to, so I speak to my customer service guys every day And we're we're always tracking what our customers are feeding back to us. And what we see is that over 60% of the time that our customers say it's not working or it doesn't work for me, it's simply that they're using it wrong. And that could be not taking enough, that the dose is too small, or they're trying to treat or trying to solve a muscle problem with a sublingual oil. Well, yeah, clearly use the right delivery mechanism for what you're trying to help. Um, And yes, that's the biggest risk. There's there's very few side effects, very limited side effects, no significant risks anyway. I mean, one of the biggest risks, I guess, um, and this is not uncommon, is is choosing the wrong brands, choosing the wrong products, because we are coming out of this now, this has been a a highly unregulated market. It's it's still very nascent, it's still young. Um, We don't have any of the long established consumer brands that have come into the market yet. So customers uh, they having to navigate their way around a very confusing product with brands they don't recognise. Sure, so there's a lot of learning still to be done. Um, so I guess that the one at risks is buying a bottle of CBD that actually has no CBD in there because they've been ripped off or scammed. That, that's also a risk. But again, the UK is beginning to lead the way in regulating this product. And, and March 31st, the FSA. Will be enforcing novel food classification. So, every product on the shelf that has to be registered and to register is that requirement to have gone through significant toxicology and stability testing to prove that product is, is safe and right. not.
0: So, this, this sounds like good news for the consumer, uh, certainly. Now, if, if, if people are listening to this and thinking, all right, so a lot of this is uh, sort of proven anecdotally, but not by peer-reviewed real studies, but I'd still like to give it a go because, frankly, you know, my arthritis is hurting and I, I want to try. Um, where can people go get more information? Have you got a website that's useful? What's What's the deal there?
1: Um, sure. So people can head over to our website if you search in Google Citech, C-I-I-T-E-C-H. Um, okay. and that's our corporate website. We've got lots of information about all the science that we've been involved in and that other companies are involved in. And there's links to, to our products and some of, the, some of the very exciting, innovative products that we've been working on. Uh, but we, I always recommend to people, you know, go to the research, you know, go to Google, go to YouTube, go, you know, go to the groups. Go and find out the right product that you should use and then go and seek a, a brand that you can trust. And that's that's the biggest challenge because people should well. not be choosing based on the they're cheapest. They're um, I mean, they need to be choosing based on a company that they trust that's producing that product. Um, I'm very biased. I think you know, our company is very trustworthy, but I, I advise your listeners to do the research, but for sure, search Citech, C-I-I-T-E-C-H, come and see what we've been up to um, and why we think that our products are the best.
0: Okay. All right. Fair enough. Look, Clifton, thank you very much indeed uh, for chatting. Please do remember if you're in pain, back pain, or you're worried about your posture, do have a look at my website RelaxBackUK.com In particular, the back-up chair can help if when you're working at your desk and it's just causing you grief, causing you a lot of pain. It uh, does help thousands of people, many of them actually working in their home offices now. It ensures a good posture and enables you to have a low-level core workout while you're sitting at your desk. It's helped thousands of people. The website, again, is relaxbackuk.com, so please do have a look. We will shortly hear from Deborah Forsyth about some of the problems with the menopause and what women can do, and also what men can do to help their partners. is Deborah Forsyth, and she advises women on the menopause. So hot flushes, anxiety, other problems. I asked her, first off, is it just a bad design?
2: Well, um, let me just take it back a little bit, Mike, because actually it's a perfect design. (laughs) What I try to tell people is think about menopause as puberty in reverse. Okay, so puberty has a purpose. Puberty brings us to adulthood. You know, for guys, you get hair in your your men's places, and we get hair in all female places, and we get boobs, and we get hips. Um, And then we get periods to prepare us to carry and give birth to children. So menopause is just that bodily recognition that that job is done, and that we're running out of the eggs that would provide us with the opportunity of getting pregnant. And with that comes like puberty, an enormous change in our hormones. So instead of them growing up to give us that huge fertility, they start withdrawing to get us ready to transition into the next phase, which is post-menopause. The the side effects of that are similar to the ones in puberty, but much more exaggerated. So as progesterone and oestrogen drop, we start getting hot flushes, night sweats, uh, insomnia, chronic fatigue irritability etc 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 i mean there are about 30 symptoms of menopause none of which any two women will ever experience at the same time so i think the problem a lot of women have with menopause is actually they're not prepared i mean puberty kids go to school they get full education sex education what's going to happen Uh, they talk to each other a lot you know have you had have you come on have you not come on but when it comes to menopause we're in a really busy state of affairs where we generally are a sandwich generation. We've got kids we're looking after, maybe elderly parents. And these days, women are working as hard as men. And unfortunately, there still is a huge stigma around menopause because not only does it actually say, well, actually you're not gonna be fertile anymore, but it's, oh my God, you're getting old. That's what used to be the thought. And if you're old, you're worthless. You can't cope with your work. And you might as well just go sit in your rocking chair till you die so uh, right well it, i mean
0: it's certainly it's it, our experience in in this household is it's you know it's it, it is a big deal yeah uh, there's, there's a lot happening so that actually is. in that, in in that in that respect because go, we're going through covid and kind of sometimes it feels like the whole world is on edge slightly is, yeah. is it kind of worse for people you know certainly this right. the and feelings of anxiety and this kind of stuff is that heightened for people that are going through this just now
2: absolutely yes absolutely the reason for that is we are all experiencing higher levels of cortisol and i'm sure you know cortisol is the fight and flight hormone that we all have and for the last year we've been fed news that says go inside don't do this hide away wear a mask be protected compounded with women who would normally go out to work, maybe not have children at home. They're they're trying to homeschool and look after the family with all the restrictions into menopause. Not only are they experiencing the menopause symptoms, but they're exaggerated by something called adrenal fatigue. And the adrenal organs are the ones that pump out huge amounts of cortisol. Cortisol being a hormone has a massive effect on progesterone and estrogen. So most menopausal women are finding that their symptoms are made worse times 10 right okay made worse times 10 and it's it's really difficult because all of the symptoms become so much worse added to the fact that most of us have eaten and drunk too much for a long time because we what else are we going to do so you're adding that extra fat level of tissue and in menopause when you have more fat than your body needs it also produces extra hormones that are going to be made worse by the extra cortisol that's pumping around our bodies
0: you mentioned so, drinking that. Does, does drinking yeah. drinking alcohol, presumably, does that yes. uh, heighten symptoms?
2: Yes, it does. Well, simply in, in simple terms, um, it's sugar. So right. most of us have more than one glass of sugar at night. We're having two or three, <laughs> maybe a bottle of gin and tonic as well, on top of the extra food that we're eating, because what else are we going to do in the evening? You know, you watch television, you can't get out, especially in the winter. So... The extra sugar puts pressure then on the insulin levels. So we've got higher insulin levels. We know that higher insulin levels along with the cortisol will interfere more and disrupt the hormonal changes that are already occurring.
0: Okay.
2: So yeah, er everything that any menopausal woman has had in the last year is exponentially worse than it would have been had we not and, and you, you also
0: mentioned we- at, at the start of the chat you mentioned 30 symptoms yes <laughs> so <laughs> I well I've, I've kind of come across two we come across two Mention really? some of the others
2: okay what two what two are you familiar with
0: well so hot flushes and anxiety
2: okay okay so you've got hot flushes hot sweats at night have you have you managed to stay in bed with your wife throughout this well, I mean, yeah, clearly yeah. Sunday, yeah. does she get too hot? Because a lot of women at night will wake up drenched to the point where they have to get up, kick their husband out of bed, strip the beds, change the clothes, have a shower, and get back in.
0: Yeah. So she, she, yes, absolutely. She did suffer from that. But actually, a lot of the symptoms have been controlled by something else that I want to ask you about. Okay. Uh, after you mentioned some more of the symptoms, but and that's patches. So patches have been like yeah. godsend. To
2: us. yeah brilliant
0: okay we'll so definitely come on to those but talk about some of the other symptoms
2: well of i the, mean only know. then if you have a disrupted night's sleep you wake up exhausted yeah and the first thing that most people do in the morning when they wake up exhausted is have the first cup of coffee Right. we're all guilty of that potentially but unfortunately coffee first thing in the morning on an empty stomach is going to disrupt your hormones even more. So the first thing we're doing in the morning is actually not setting us up for a great day hormonally. It's disrupting it. So with- Actually,
0: we're lucky there because my wife has banned caffeine because of my high blood pressure. So she Yay. thought she was doing me a favour, but she's doing herself a favour as well.
2: Absolutely, completely. Yeah, well Ooh. done, her. <laughs> 10 out of 10 for that one.
0: <laughs> I will, I'll tell her yeah. that.
2: Okay. So, yeah. So then you can get um, chronic fatigue during the day because if you haven't slept properly, you don't function well. You'll get mood swings, irritability, um, depression. And we all know if you don't sleep well, you crave carbohydrates and sweet stuff. So, you know, come 11 o'clock in the morning, you're thinking, I am going to eat a monster. Or <laughs> you grab the sandwich or a biscuit um, or sweets or cookies or whatever we have. Um, And it is part of the menopause. That craving for the extra carbohydrates is actually part of the menopause, but exacerbated as we said. Um, So our eating habits become disrupted. Um, For a lot of women, they can have breast pain, joint pain. They can have problems with mobility. So their flexibility when they were exercising can change significantly when they're menopausal and before they were premenopausal. hair loss is massive and again that's associated with low thyroid that very often comes with menopause um, and also stress men can get that as well but patches and for women that is although it's not physical physical emotionally it is destructive because Mm -hmm. for hair for women it's one of those pride things you know We, we preen it we wash it we groom it we color it when you see patches of it coming out you think oh my god this is dreadful. I'm really getting old. So emotionally, that's really quite crippling for them. Um, we grow hair in places we didn't have hair before due to the drop in testosterone. We find that very often you get little spikes of hair on your face. You know, you've often jokes everywhere about, oh, that old woman's got a moustache, bearded lady from the zoo. Probably without knowing it was a postmenopausal woman with no testosterone in, in those days. So those sort of things go on a bit. Um, Vaginal dryness becomes a huge problem for a lot of people. Urinary incontinence because of the weakness and the thinning of the anatomical area there. Weight gain, you talk to everybody mostly and what their biggest problem is weight gain, especially around that middle section. So that um, decreased sex drive, acne, can be a big problem for menopausal women as well even though they had no spots when they were much younger and headaches some people have shocking headaches so those are the top 22 symptoms that most people it sounds
0: like we got off quite lightly actually yes, did. So yes, did. What, what, actually one of those uh, you mentioned that I, re- I recognize the headaches so my, my yeah. wife has often had migraine headaches and I think this brought it on a, a little bit um more. Yes, uh, but e- even so, and I mentioned th- these eight, these patches earlier. Yes, uh, when we discovered those, I've got to say they they were they were a like, bit of yeah. a godsend. <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean, I you know, I think every woman should actually investigate what options they have to help them with their menopausal symptoms. And and today we have so many options. We've got patches. We've got creams. We've got pills. We've got bioidentical hormones. Some people choose to choose to go down the naturopathic route with herbs and drinks uh, that can be very, very helpful. And a lot of it, truthfully, is mindset and lifestyle, mm-hmm. which generally, in in this, in my experience, in the last 10 years, has been appalling in the run-up to menopause. I call it the rushing woman syndrome because. When have you not seen a younger woman with kids sitting at the car at the traffic lights with her phone in her hand, checking the emails on the way to school? And she'd probably been up for two hours doing her emails, making the kids lunch, getting them to school, doing her work, coming home, doing the same thing, trying to keep up because she can't be seen to underperform. Um, and no time for herself whatsoever, not taking time to eat properly or exercise properly, going to bed still with the phone in her hand to disrupt her sleep, waking up, up in the middle of the night and checking the emails so that comes under a syndrome of again adrenal fatigue so when you crash into menopause with that level of cortisol it's like hitting a car into a brick wall because they have ignored themselves that run up and again it's lack of education and information
0: yeah yeah so this might be a good uh point to ask the question what can what can us men do as partners because you know i got to say when my wife is comfortable and happy my life is a lot better so there's a you know there's a bit of selfishness uh, in this question but you know what should we be doing
2: I love the fact that you're asking this question amazing so first of all open the conversation with your wife saying I'm a little bit confused or whatever it happens to be I don't understand what's happening to you you're the woman I love blah 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 but you're changing And that should give them the opportunity to say, I hate you because (laughs) because I can't think about it. But seriously, I think I think we're living in, in years where education for menopause for men should be as important as for women so that you know what to look out for. You know, so if she's not wanting to have sex and turns the other way, it's not that she doesn't love you. It's because anatomically she's in pain. Because when the vagina dries up, intercourse is painful. And that's embarrassing for a woman if she hasn't talked about it before, to say something that's so important in our relationship doesn't work anymore. The hot sweats, you know, when you see her standing one minute and she's fine, or you see them cardigans off, cardigans on, cardigans off, and then she butts your head off, then you would know that this transition has started, and these are some of the symptoms that would surround it. So my answer in a short term is talk about it together before it happens. Try and find as much information as you can or do a course, a menopause for men course so that you understand it. And also menopause Hang for men such things exist? To yes. Oh, yeah. yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. I run courses for men for the very reason of actually saying, this is what is going to happen to your wife between the ages of these days, anything from about 45 to 55 or longer. Mm -mm. It's transformational for them because they just don't know. And it makes sense. So if you know that these things are happening and you know that she's behaving this way, it's not a breakdown in your relationship. It's just that her body is changing either slowly or rapidly. And she does feel out of control. I mean, commonly women will say, I don't know who I am anymore. I don't okay. I don't recognize myself. My hair has got thinner. My body has got fatter. I've lost my shape. I sweat all the time. I run up and down the stairs 10 times to find stuff and forget every time what I've gone up for. Right. I pee myself when I laugh or cough. It, it's embarrassing. And they are still not fully comfortable with discussing it. But with a kind approach in a relationship, it makes it much more easy, a transition for both of you.
0: It does sound like, generally speaking, we've kind of uh, got off fairly lightly. But you know, it has it has been a bit of a, yeah. um, a bit of a roller coaster ride to some extent. Let me ask you about something uh, related, uh, uh, if it even exists, because you hear this phrase, the male menopause. Yes. Is, that, is that a thing? What happens? Well, I, you know, so I'm I'm the same age as my wife. I, like, I'm 54, okay. and uh, I I haven't noticed anything yet. Should I be waiting?
2: Well, I think for men, it's not always as obvious as women, but obviously your main hormone is testosterone and that will decline over a period of time. So, one question I'd say to you I've never met you before, but you have some receding hair.
0: Do I? I know you can see me. Yes, I know. Ah,
2: I'll admit it. It's there. It's happening. Okay. (laughs) So, when did that start for you?
0: Oh, this has been going on for years. Okay. this must uh, it's really started in the last eight, eight, ten years or so.
2: Okay, so I would I would be the boldest to suggest without noticing anything other than your hair loss, that would be a sign of your dropping of testosterone. Right. Because we know for men, testosterone is is your number one hormone. It's hugely connected with hair loss. So the receding for men is the same as women. So, when but
0: we so, talk- some, some men start receding kind of, you know, like in their 20s, really. Oh, early.
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, interestingly, so some people have a generic or familiar tendencies to have bald patterns. The ones that start at the back of the head tend to be familiar, the ones at the front tend to be hormonal. Um, but what we're also seeing a lot of these days is right. younger men with very low testosterone levels. Now, the theory behind that is the foodstuffs that we eat are so genetically modified, a lot of them have estrogen hormones within them. So because we're drinking a lot of milk and eating a lot of beef that potentially will have been fed hormones to make them bigger and fatter and antibiotics to make them bigger and fatter, and then packed in plastics that will also have what we call exogenous hormones. We're finding a lot of men younger, even in their mid twenties to mid thirties, have a a significantly lower testosterone level Due to lifestyle influences,
0: is is that backed up by real peer-reviewed yes. research, or is that yeah. just some kind no, of weird no, theory? No, it's not
2: something I made up this morning. It's actually wow. backed up. It's becoming a be thing. Scary. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, well, it is very scary, but but again, commonly what we are seeing with more middle-aged men walking around um, female attributes, we're seeing a lot more men in their mid to late fifties and sixties with more predominant male breast-type tissue okay and a more predominant hip shape that sits just above their trousers not necessarily the belly bit but these are things that we're actually seeing and um scientifically what we're seeing is that um there's a higher incidence of infertility in men because of the the lowness um of their testosterone levels right robbie williams is a very famous guy who had his he had his testosterone tested in his Late thirties, because he found he was almost suffering from symptoms of menopause. He was irritable. He was angry.
0: This like, is Robbie Williams, the pop star, is yeah. It?
2: And he had his hormones tested and found that his hormone level yeah, okay. was that of an eighty-year-old man before he was forty.
0: Blimey!
2: So it does exist, right. and it's something that I think more men should be aware of. Yeah. What I always say to people that I that talk to. Think what the food you're eating has eaten. Okay, because if you okay. know anything about mass production of the, the beef and the chickens and the food produce that we have, all of them are not necessarily grass-fed. The ones that aren't have hormones and and um, pumped into their food to make them big and bulky. And the same for cars. A lot of milk has oestrogen elements in it as well. So, we have to be very careful. This is another
0: reason. This is yet another reason for making sure you eat healthily as possible, isn't it?
2: (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, if you can go organic, go organic as much as you possibly can. Don't eat anything in plastic and just think what you might be eating in chemical terms, which will affect your hormones and affect how they behave. Hormones are like dominoes. You know, if they're not lined up completely in a row and you sort of click them, they're not going to go, t-tsh, t-tsh. they will go all over the place. And that's really what's happening to most of us today.
0: Right. Deborah, look, we, we've covered a lot of stuff. Now, if people are listening to this and want to find out more or whatever, yeah. how can they do that? Is that just for more information, is, is does the NHS have a good website? Have you got a website?
2: Um, I've got a website. I mean, the NHS are doing, God bless them, as much as they can at the moment, as are all of the GPs. My website is Deborah the Menopause Consultant um You can get me on Instagram and uh, Facebook in the same way. It's Deborah, the Menopause Consultant, and I'm more than happy to share my information with anybody who wants to know more. It's really important that we become fully informed about what we're putting into our bodies because it enormously affects everything.
0: Yeah, and are. also your, GP's, your GP would be a good uh, place
2: to call as well. Um, always try your GP. Always try GP for any information, especially to with menopause and hormones and supplements um, and prescription medication. Start with them, see what you get. But I'd say to everyone, be prepared to consider that not one treatment is going to deal with everything. It's very much like cherry picking. You might have to have a patch, which is wonderful. You might have to have a different sort of supplement, a wonderful, but ultimately, you're also going to have to look at your lifestyle and what you're eating and the supplements that you need to take to support your body through this transition period so it, it's actually a complex period of time but be yeah. prepared to be open-minded and and take everything on board when you have the information you can make an informed decision and that's the most important thing to know okay
0: deborah thank you very much indeed for chatting i think people are going to find that useful
2: you're very welcome it's been a pleasure to talk to you too, and good luck with uh yours
0: and your wife's menopause thank you
1: very
0: much thank you very much to my guests on this week's show and they were Clifton Flack of SciTech talking about CBD products and Deborah Forsyth uh, advisor to women during the menopause and of course thank you to you for listening that was the Relaxed Back UK show with me Mike Dill. thank you for listening and please do join us again next time